0: We're moments away from an exclusive Sirius XM town hall event with the cast and creative team of this year's smash hit musical on Broadway, Dear Evan Hansen.
1: I've learned to slam on the brake before I even turn the key before I make the mistake before I lead with the worst of me give them no reason to stare No slipping up if you slip away So I got nothing to share No, I got nothing to say Step out, step out of the sun If you keep getting burned Step out, step out of the sun Because you've learned, because you've learned On the outside, always looking in, well I Never be more than I've always been Cause I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass Waving through a window I try to speak but nobody can hear So I wait around for an answer to me we start with stars in our eyes we start believing that we belong but every sun doesn't rise and no one tells you where you went wrong step out step out of the sun Step out of the sun Because you've learned Because you've learned When you're falling in a, around, you really a when in a forest and there's nobody around. Do you ever really crash or even make a sound when you're falling in a forest and there's nobody around? Do you ever really crash or even make a sound when you're falling in a forest and there's nobody around? Do you ever really crash or even make a sound when you're falling in a forest and there's nobody around? Do you ever really crash or even a sound qualify out so always
2: Welcome to our SiriusXM town hall on stage at the Music Box Theater. I'm Julie James, and I am so pleased to have each and every one of you here, fanzins, right along with me, right? (laughs) So, we're not going to waste a single minute. Please welcome to the stage the cast and creative team of Dear Evan
3: Hansen!
2: Welcome, everyone. So, we are going to, uh, for the benefit of our wonderful SiriusXM listeners that will be enjoying this, put voices with names, as we like to say. So, please, Benj, take it
4: away. Uh, I'm Benj Pasik, and I am one of the songwriters of Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, I'm Justin Paul, and I'm also one of the songwriters of Dear Evan
5: Hansen.
6: <laughs> I'm Stephen Levinson, and I am the book writer of Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs>
5: Hello, I'm Michael Greif, and I'm the director of Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs>
7: <laughs> I'm Alex Lacamoire, and I'm the music supervisor and orchestrator of Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> Lacamoire? I've been saying it wrong forever.
8: <laughs> uh, my name is Ben Platt, and I play Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs>
9: <laughs> <laughs> my name is Laura Dreyfus, and I play Zoe Murphy in Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs>
10: Oh, God, I'm going to have to keep this going, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm Rachel Bay Jones and I play Heidi Hansen.
11: <laughs>
12: in <laughs> I'm Jennifer Laura Thompson. I play Cynthia Murphy in "The Lion King."
13: <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Michael Park and I play Larry Murphy yeah. in
14: this little skit. <laughs> I'm Mike Feist and I play Connor Murphy.
3: I'm Crystalin Lloyd, and I play Alana Beck.
15: I'm, I'm Will Roland, and I am the actor who plays Jared Kleinman in Dear Evan Hansen, <laughs> a new musical on Broadway.
2: All right, well, we're going to dive right in, and it really feels like now and again something special happens in the theater that captures the attention and the emotions and the heart of people, and I hope that you're feeling that there's a special moment that has arrived in the theater, and I would love to hear how you are being affected personally by what's been going on with Dear Evan Hansen. How about you, Rachel? Are you hearing from... (laughs) (laughs) How I'm being affected personally by this?
10: Um, Well, I think it's interesting that it's really calling into uh, the forefront of my mind how I how I am in the world in so many ways I think it like it social the ways we deal with each other socially the ways the ways we tell little lies the ways the reason why we lie the reasons why we need to be honest and also as a mother especially um, how present I am for my daughter when I'm with her and when I'm not It's a big, it's a big deal. I think, you know, it's, it's all of us are rethinking how we are in the world from this show. Yeah, Thanks Steven, thanks a lot. Thanks guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else feel like the show is having, Laura, do you feel like it's having an impact on you and your real everyday life?
9: Yeah, I think um, the show, it's such a good reflection of what it's like to be alive today and functioning in this world, you know, with every, with social media and how that affects our everyday actions and, um how we communicate with people and i think that that's the biggest thing for me it's when i'm when i'm realizing what a real connection is um and being able to define that and i think that you know in the age of twitter and the age of this wonderful thing where we can feel connected with so many and it can be a very healing thing it can also be a negative thing and i think it's so important to be aware of the two sides of it and so for me personally i've been really analyzing that in my own life which is great Well, another big reason that we are here is to celebrate the incredible
2: cast recording of Dear Evan Hansen. absolutely incredible. So for any of you who don't know, it was an unprecedented number eight debut on the Billboard 200, which is just phenomenal for a Broadway cast recording. Um, 1961 was the last time that happened, if anyone was wondering, and it was Camelot. (laughs) So maybe things have changed a little. Um, It's also one of just a handful of Broadway cast recordings that has even made it into the top ten. So I would love to hear, let's start with you, Benj and Justin, about um, how that that feels and uh, what you think, I mean, I think one of the things that is so amazing about it is that, you know, here's this show in New York City. It's, it's not like an Adele or something like that that people in the pop world or the Billboard charts typically know about to even buy. So it really speaks to the word of mouth. I'd like to think maybe a little Serious XM in there. Um, <laughs> For
12: sure. But uh,
2: shameless, shameless, I realize. But, you know, pe- people are, have caught on to it enough to make it debut in, in that level. What do, you, what do you make of all that?
16: Um, you know, I, some of it, of course, is, is due to what you were saying, that there's strong word of mouth about the show and visibility for it and premiering tracks on, uh, on, on Broadway and Sirius XM is a huge, huge deal and gets people excited about it. But then I think the other element of it is that the, the album itself has to sort of deliver in all the ways and I think it does that because of a few reasons. Uh, one, because of the incredible performances by the cast. That's, it's i think the album really is its own yeah (laughs) no the album really is its own fantastic performance and and it's captured so well um and uh they're just great recording performances forget that you can see them on stage which you can and they're magnificent but it's just great recordings um the the band sounds incredible and those orchestrations done by alex lacamoire uh uh Are incredible, and you know we spent a lot of time together producing the album and and really trying to get every single bit right. And we were able to do that because of Atlantic Records. Um, And Atlantic Records really, really put their full weight and support behind a Broadway album, which had really only been done once before on Hamilton. And I think there was already always the investment. You know, you could go either way. You could say, okay, the the show's you know uh, doing well, and so let's get it recorded and let's get it out there, or we're gonna treat this as its own endeavor and really make sure that it's a great product and great quality and that it's the best possible version of what these guys are doing on stage every night. And I think that everyone worked really, really hard and spent a lot of time um, uh, putting all their heart and soul into it and I think that that shows in the the final result.
2: Absolutely, I'm so glad you brought up Atlantic Records. Let's take that a little bit further. So, Lac. You got to work with Atlantic Records with Hamilton as well, and I'd love for you to speak to you know, them really stepping up in the cast recording market, if you will, and putting that kind of time and energy and love into the, the project and what you sort of learned from doing Hamilton and what you brought with you into recording Dear Evan Hansen with them.
7: Well, what was great with working with Atlantic was how much support they gave us for Hamilton. Um, uh, they basically gave us the time that we needed, they gave us the facility that we needed, they gave us the, the love and the attention. So I had such a great experience with them and what was great that is that Justin and Bench had been working with Atlantic because they're gonna be working on a new uh, movie called The Greatest Showman, and Atlantic will be involved with that. So they already knew about these boys. <laughs> I called up Pete Gangbark and I said, uh, while we were still running off-Broadway, and I said, listen, I'm working on this new show. I had such a great time doing the Hamilton cast album. Would you be interested in doing another? And uh, they came in and saw the show, and because of the connection, Pete was just on board, and, and we were able to make it happen. He spoke with our amazing producer, Stacey Mindich, and uh, an alliance was formed. So they, uh, it was just nice to be able to take the time To make this album with as much love and as care as we were able to put into Hamilton and by that we took the time to not just record everything in a day we took what was it three or four days just to record the rhythm section three or four days just for the strings by themselves a lot of these actors came in by themselves into the studio just so we could craft the perfect performance and I think it really shows because this score is uh, unlike any that I've ever heard and it marries so well the pop idiom with the musical theater in him in such a way that I knew it needed to be just like, it needed to sound so clean and perfect and you needed to feel the story, yeah. just orally speaking, just putting on headphones and being able to be taken on a journey. And I attribute the amazing performance that these cast members gave to make that happen. And we all thank you, Alex. Hey, thank you, Michael. <laughs> for the incredible work you did. To uh, you're very kind, up. thank you. But uh, absolute labor of love because I love this course so much and it's, uh, it needed every, ounce of my attention and love and support, and and I really having Atlantic have your back. There's there's nothing better. So I hope to do many more albums with them in the future because yeah. they are just top shelf. Yeah. If you're listening,
11: hey guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the other wonderful. Elements of our Town Hall is that we have some serious XM subscribers in the audience and they have submitted some wonderful questions for all of you today and we are going to start with Melanie Seinfeld. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering
4: if any of you have heard something very inspiring that has come from a fan as a result of your being involved in this
12: amazing show. (laughs) Um, I've heard many, many wonderful things outside of the stage door and in in letters that come in the mail of the theater, um, tweets on on, social media, but the best message is that we are finding those people who want to be found, Mm -hmm. who need to be found. Um, It's rewarding nothing's more rewarding in theater than having that kind of impact on people. And, um, and I'm very proud to be part of that movement.
2: Anyone else had a particular fan contact or something that was said to you at the stage door or online?
8: Um, I, I'll just say that uh, this is something that we've talked about often. And I think it's something that's just very special to all of us. We have a lot of uh, young people who will come to the show and then they'll meet us at the stage door and tell us that, the, you know, that they connected with the story and that it, it, it made them feel seen in a way they never had before and that they really wanted their parents to come and see it. And then we will see those kids come back with those parents and show up at the stage door again with their next generation. And so the fact that, and it works the other way too, we'll have parents come like on a date night or with their friends and come and, and be moved by the story and then return with their young people. And so to, to see that active of a love for the show and that deep of a belief that, that it really is a conversation starter and something that can break barriers that nothing else can because it's live theater is like, it's, it's such motivation for us to do it every night because it's like, if, if, if we can alter the course of somebody's life that much in one evening, then it's worth it to sort of build from the ground up every day. So that's really special to see.
4: Um, for me, it's been really uh, remarkable because I, I feel like in writing this, you know, when the three of us were in a room with, with Michael, we would talk about how we kind of relate to the character, but I think the universality of how so many people feel like they are alone and they are the only people that feel that way uh, is really striking. And to be in an audience, and when we sneak in the back and we're like pacing like mad people and seeing how people are reacting to the show, it's so heartening to see that there are a thousand people every night who all kind of feel like they uh, they're seeing a bit of themselves on stage and that that experience of feeling like you are an outsider or you are someone who no one understands there are th- 999 other people who feel the same exact way and I think so often we feel like we're the only ones who are ex- experiencing feeling as lonely or sad or uh, removed or invisible as we feel and, and it's been amazing to me to f- hear feedback or, or see people react emotionally to the sense that we all feel that way and, and if the show in, in some way has given a, a voice to that that I think makes us really, really proud that, that people feel like they can, um, they can recognize that their experience is not y- unique in, in, in the best possible way and that they can find community, like Jen said. It's a really beautiful thing.
6: I think also as a writer, the, the most gratifying thing is when uh, we hear people use the language from the show to talk about their own issues, you know, using terms like, you know, uh, I didn't let go of the tree, um, or, you know, you will be found. It, it feels like um, it feels incredibly gratifying that you can help give voice to something that perhaps somebody didn't have the words before for how to articulate what they were feeling and what they were going through. And as a writer, that's really, you know, the thing you most dream of is, is somehow being able to voice something that, that we all feel and perhaps can't uh, put the words to.
2: Wow. It's <laughs> pretty profound. I think it it's really speaks to the, the heart of the show because you do see yourself in it. I'm not a parent, for instance, but I see myself in the parents of the show. I see myself in the students of the show. I see myself in Evan. I, I see myself, you know, and I think so many people that are coming to the show are relating to all of your characters because they're built with so much heart. So... Way to go. Um, we are going to have another question, and this one is from Emily Shannon. Hey, Emily. Um, Dear is such a deep has such a deep meaning, and it's a very moving story. Um, I was wondering, what's your favorite song to perform in the show, and why? Good question.
15: <laughs> Michael, what's your favorite song to perform? <laughs>
13: knows the answer to that. If you haven't heard the soundtrack... Uh, soundtrack?
15: It's an original cast recording, Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. Movies have soundtracks. How is was there not
13: a soundtrack? Okay, fine. Who says it's not going to be a movie?
1: Hey! Um will
13: get Richard Gere to play my role. Um... <laughs> Uh, he's, he's very good in the movie, Richard Gere. I really, really. <laughs> Bring it down, Michael. Bring it right down. Good for you. Uh, 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 I'm fine. Uh, the- obviously breaking a glove means a lot to me as a, as a as a father and as a son the 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 wonderful thing about the relationship with my dad was that we had one glove between my brother and myself growing up one glove and i was the one to lose it so and he said and i remember i remember distinctly we were outside playing catch and my mother asked me something from the window and i went to go grab whatever she wanted me to do and i left the glove on top of on, on top of the hedge and I totally forgot where it was and I had a baseball game that night and my father's like, well, where's the glove? You don't have a glove, you can't play baseball. I'm like, all right, well, I better go find it. And I remember him hunting, we hunted for it and he never got mad. He never lost his temper and we found it and I remember him saying, remember that it's the last glove you'll ever have. <laughs> and I remember, and I, I, it was just so wonderful. And so, and so singing this song and having all these memories and the thankful, I'm so thankful to Michael, Michael Greif because he, he kind of like harnessed all of these emotions and feelings that I was having singing about this song to Evan. And uh, I, I just, I, I remember, I can picture it like it was yesterday. And I th- I'm so thankful every time I get to open my mouth and, 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 uh, and say the, and sing and speak those words every night. So thank you all for that.
2: Anyone else want to share? I mean, Ben, you have practically every song in the show. <laughs> so is there a favorite?
8: I do what you mean. <laughs> I, um, I mean, they're all really wonderful songs to sing, and they all really vary <laughs> uh, night to night, which I really enjoy, because obviously we're doing it so many times, and so it, it's a, a great way for it to stay fresh is that I, I do get to sing a lot of different things and they all have such different sort of cadences depending on the audience and the day of, uh, uh, that we're there. Um, I'll say without fail, um, it's it's exciting to sing Waving Through a Window because um, everybody has come to know and love that song so much. And I think everybody comes into the, to the theater really excited to hear it. And I feel a great responsibility to deliver that song to them um, because they have such a love for it. And so, um, and it also just sets up, the character of Evan in such an incredible way in that you are so fully and completely on his side when you hear sort of that inside oh, yeah. f- uh, sort of what he's really feeling. Um, and, 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 and you relate to him so, so immediately. And so, uh, it's a joy to get to, to have that be the setup for the evening. Um, is, is, is always really, really exciting. Um, I also really love it if I could tell her because, um, oh. I, um, the beginning of the show was like a, a, a real whirlwind well for Evan, and I'm sort of, you know, in, at home with Heidi, and then at school, and then waving through a window, and then we're in the principal's office, it's just like a lot of, of, of big changes happening really quickly, and I feel like the first time I really get to sort of take a moment and sort of just be present and look at Laura and sing to Laura is in If I Could Tell Her, and it's just a really nice sort of calming, beautiful moment every night where we can kind of calibrate together, and I, I always really enjoy that.
9: I was going to say, if I could tell her as well, I think, um, you know, this character that I play has had such a traumatic past. And this is kind of the first time she's ever had an opportunity to forgive her brother. And, you know, at face value, it's it's a beautiful song about this boy basically confessing his love to her without her knowing. But um, this is the first time that she's kind of able to crack open the the guard that she's had this whole time and so it's really beautiful for me to get to go on that journey so I love that song for that reason
1: He thought you were awesome
9: He thought I was awesome My brother Definitely How? Well, he said
1: There's nothing like your smile Sort of subtle and perfect and real He said You never knew how wonderful that smile could make someone feel And he knew Whenever you get bored you scribble stars on the cuffs of your jeans (laughs) And he noticed That you still fill out the quizzes that they put in those teen magazines But he kept it all Inside his head What he saw He left unsaid And though he wanted to He couldn't talk to you He couldn't find a way But he would always say If I could tell her Tell her everything I see If I could tell her She's everything to me But we're a million worlds
11: apart
1: And I don't know how I would even start If I could tell her If I could tell her.
9: Did he say anything else? Uh, about you? Oh, never mind. I don't really care. No, no, no. no, no,
1: no. He, said, he said so many things. I'm just. I'm trying to remember the best ones. So, um, he thought you looked really pretty, or uh, it looked pretty cool when you put indigo streaks in your hair. He did. <laughs> <laughs> and he wondered how you learned to dance like all the rest of the world is in. Inside his head What he saw he loved on listened
0: back to the Music Box Theater with the stars and creative team of Dear Evan Hansen with Julie James as our exclusive on-Broadway Town Hall continues.
2: We have a really interesting question from Rachel Smith. Hi.
3: Hi Rachel. (laughs) Hi. So social media plays a huge part in the show. Could you discuss your thoughts on how the online world was woven into the story and how you view the impact that it's had on our real everyday lives, even when the President of the United States has a massive Twitter following?
15: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter Twitter has the power to burn global markets to the ground in our modern age. Oh and no, And no musical captures that more accurately <laughs> than Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, I I think that, you know, I think one of the things that we've talked about ad nauseum in this process is, oh, it's gone, it's gone. Um, (laughs) That was a water bottle rolling for all of you listening in your cars. Um... The, uh, you know, one of the things that we've talked about so much is how there is this, uh, there's this group of people that this play is about, and then there's all these other people in the world who, like, when they start banging down the doors of the real people, it's like, it is like the most frightening, horrifying way of, like, raising the stakes for, for this boy whose problems have gone from being his own to, like, he's incorporated this small group of people, and then, like, the whole world, it just comes, like, shrieking into our play, um... And I think, you know, I, I think that's what social media can do in our lives sometimes because we have this idea uh, that, you know, we, we look at someone's you know, Twitter or Instagram or something and we, we think that's true. We think that's exactly what's happening in their life. And we know in our own lives that, that couldn't be further from the truth where we're filtering and we're censoring and we're cleaning it up. And, and I think all of those ideas exist and operate on different levels in, in this show. Um, you know, all the, the, the writing and the design and, and the performances are really bringing that out everywhere was that the question I don't <laughs> I got so scared when she brought up the the, the guy in Washington I just uh, <laughs> the
13: guy the guy in Washington
15: that sorry guy? in Florida in Florida the guy <laughs> in Florida
11: <laughs> <laughs>
16: like I'll go on like just you. keep going we'll just keep going. just go just go
15: <laughs> so Evan Anson's about golfing, you
2: know. <laughs> oh, but I do think that it, it is a great it's a great thing to think about the role that social media plays in this show, which <laughs> oh, we're never gonna recover from this. <laughs> The role that social media plays in the show, as well as the role that it plays in our lives. And, it, you know, I think socia- the social media aspect helps the show feel very right now and very, very relevant. And, and I think that's another reason why people connect to it, because it feels like they're real lives. And, uh, and I think that it's just, you know, any of your thoughts uh, to go further about how social media in the real world and the social media of the show might harmonize?
8: Um, What's been really interesting uh, is that social media sort of breaks down that barrier of sort of fan, spectator, patron, and performer, artist person in the show. And so that's been a really beautiful experience, especially in this show where that's sort of the subject matter of the piece itself. Um, So that's been a a beautiful thing to experience. I'll also say uh, to to what you were saying before, I think that the reason people uh, connect so much with the way that the modern world is depicted in the show is because social media is such an assumed part of our lives and such a sort of prevalent thing and and you come into contact with it daily in in a way that's sort of um, second nature at this point. And so I think that the show never steps beyond that in terms of making it maybe uh, sort of the the subject of of the drama or sort of uh, overreaches the way that it it, it can affect people's lives, but also no less. So I think it's just um, a really beautifully accurate depiction of of the fact that it's it's become sort of a backdrop. Um, um, Yeah.
6: We also, in the writing of it, wanted to be clear that we were never judging the medium itself because, after all, it's ju- that is all it really is. It's just a medium of communication, and it's really how we use it, I think, that makes it either good or bad. Or um, So I think that was always important to us, was, was to never make it uh, the thing because then you get into a really reductive conversation about technology and isolation, and really it's more it can be a force for great change, and it can be also a force for terrible destruction. and, uh, and the show hopefully shows you know all of those things. Um, and I think you know we, we get to see it in in the way our fans have responded to the show too. I mean, it's been such a bridge for us in in hearing people uh interact with the show, so, so we can't say it's all negative because of that either, you know.
2: Crystaline, you have some of the social media moments in the show um, and how's that for you in your role on stage, you know, conveying some of the, the online, the, on, the part of the online story sort of starts to accelerate a lot with you and what you're doing with, um, with Connor and
3: all of that. That's a great observation. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, yeah, I knew that. Um. <laughs> Uh I do do that, don't I? Uh you know, social media terrifies me as crystalline. Um so it's uh it's really interesting to play a character who like embraces it and is so incredibly excited by it. <laughs> She's um, doing the voice. She's doing the voice. <laughs> uh and there are times there's like a time when there was something in a line that I didn't even know what it meant. I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> and then I was like, it, it just, it's just, it just um, floors me how quickly um, people are to say that they see so much of Alana in themselves and the idea that she is this person who is so excited to be involved and to also like, interconnect people. You know, There's that scene with uh, Jared, Alana, and Evan, and it's when they're talking about Connor Murphy having been dead. And you know, me as an actress, I have a moment where I'm like, he's gone now. And I have, it's silent, you guys don't get to hear it, but I do it in my head. Uh, or I'm like, now is the time to unite people, and how do I do that? And I look down at my cell phone while I'm on stage, and then I have like an aha moment, and that's when I'm like, if Connor meant something to you, please retweet. And that's kind of the start for Alana of how to uh, be a part of something like this, and to make it bigger, and to spearhead it in a way where she's now responsible, which I think she loves responsibility, so, yeah.
2: (laughs) The other thing I love about your character, too, is that, as... (laughs) (laughs) Is... That she's clearly the overachieving, belongs to every club, is doing all of the right things for her future resume, but yet she, too, is just as disconnected and is longing to connect and be a part of, whether it's Connor, who, you know, was one of her closest acquaintances... (laughs) Or, you know, like it's really interesting that even the, you know, maybe the popular girl is still feeling, you know, to Benja's really earlier point, we're all sort of, we're all there, we've all felt that, and
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've actually never thought of her as popular, thank you. (laughs) Um, Toss, toss. (laughs) But there is something to be said about um, getting to embody this role as a minority, and um, the idea of, you know, as an African-American, success is huge in our culture as far as, especially, you know, in this generation with young women, you know, being the ones that are making the big paychecks. When it You know, if you see statistics of African-Americans between men and women, women are making the bigger paychecks. And so to be walking around on stage as kind of this... Voice of determination and reason. Uh, there's something really special about it to me um, in getting to embody that and getting to be that that woman, you know, um, within within the this dialogue and within this narrative. So thanks for recognizing it. What's a
2: favorite song or moment that you're not in? But that you get to see, or or you know, maybe you're in the wings, or you're waiting for your next entrance that you maybe get to watch every night.
15: I really love uh, when when Ben Platt sings "For Forever" as the character of Evan Still Hansen. Mine. It's our, it's it, Mike and I <laughs> sit upstairs. Sorry, it's, it's our. I did steal yours. It's our favorite song. Um, it's it's really. Um, You know the 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 whole setup of the scene is 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 so fraught and dramatically exciting and and it is like the main event of the plot um and then within all of that uh ben is a really good singer and actor i've heard that i've heard that and you know i've heard it like hundreds truly hundreds of times now and it's the same every time but it 's different every time because uh, you know like you know you, you you really do bring um you know there's such a richness uh, to the writing and to the quality of the performance and and you know the the, the 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 situation is like you can feel in the audience every night like you know we get a great gauge of like how these people are feeling and how their day was like as that song goes on and the scene before it and you know there's there's so many moments that can go so many ways on any given evening and it's it's a really like it's it's a very exciting sort of sequence every yeah day.
14: well it really like sets up exactly I think how you said how the rest of the show is kind of going to go it's really like the ride has begun ladies and gentlemen <laughs> we are in the thick of it now <laughs> but it's this really beautiful. Um, Opening up that Evan has this moment of this is who I am and this is really what I yearn for you know, it's very complex and really it is our favorite song absolutely in the show
2: I like
8: when I like when Will Roland sings a seated B at the end of sincerely me every night
15: (laughs) On my butt every night
2: (laughs) Sincerely me is kind of my latest obsession like after, yeah
15: it's the fun song.
2: It's the, it's the fun <laughs> song. And there are so many great gifts of you guys out there dancing.
17: <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen, we've been way too out of touch. Things have been crazy and it sucks that we don't talk that much. But I should tell you that I think of you each night. I rub my
15: nipples and start moaning with delight
8: Why would you write that? I'm just
15: trying to tell the
8: truth This needs to be perfect These emails have to prove that we were actually friends Just... I'll do it I gotta tell you, life without ya has been hard Hard? Has
17: been, and I miss talking about life and other stuff Very specific Shut up! I like my parents Who says that? I love my parents, but each day's another fight If I stop smoking drugs, then everything might be alright Smoking drugs? Just fix it! If I stop smoking crack Crack? If I stop smoking pot, then everything might be alright I'll take your advice, I'll try to be more nice I'll turn it around, wait and see Cause all that it takes is a little Just believe you can be who you wanna be
1: be Are we done yet? Well, I can't just give them one email I want to show that I was, like, a good friend, you know? Oh my god Dear Connor Murphy, yes, I also miss our talks Stop doing drugs, just try to take deep breaths and go on walks No I'm sending pictures of the most amazing trees No be obsessed with all my forest
16: expertise Absolutely not
1: Dude, I'm proud of you Just keep pushing You're turning around
17: Sisters, hot. What the hell? My bad. Dear Evan Hansen, thanks for every note you send.
1: Dear Connor Murphy, I'm just glad to be your
17: friend. Our friendship goes beyond your average kind of fun, but not because we're gay. No, not because we're gay. We're close, but not that way. The only man.
0: return to the stage of the Music Box Theater for more of our exclusive Dear Evan Hansen Town Hall with the cast and creative team and your host, Julie James.
2: I think this would be a great time to talk about the strength of the story, Stephen, you know, and the writing of, of the, your script is just phenomenal. It almost could be a play. I was thinking the other night. It would almost be, but then we have this incredible music. And I would love you and Michael to maybe talk about how you fit the, the music and this very strong musical score into an also very, very strong story.
5: Well, I, it is. I, I would like to say that uh, these incredible writers went through the most extraordinarily rigorous process to get close to the story you're now all seeing on stage or hearing through that spectacular recording. And, and it was an incredible process in which songwriters really challenged me and Stephen to create dramatic situations in which those, sto- those songs could be completely essential, where the emotional uh, stakes of the situation were such that they lent themselves only to song that it would be impossible to express uh, for the characters to express themselves just in speech they'd have to elevate it in some way because the stakes were that high. I also watched this incredible process between the three of them in which Stephen would provide these dramatic situations, sometimes in the form of a monologue, and then Benj and Justin would take that monologue and turn it into the most extraordinarily song, like So Big, So Small. And, And to be able to be next to that process before this group was privileged enough to engage in that process, too, has really been the most extraordinary development process that I've shared. Wow. So it's, it's really, really something, and I think you really feel that kind of rigor and, and that kind of challenge every step, and, you know, Will talked about uh, For Forever. Um, But it really was, you know, a song in which, you know, these three guys, you know, sat there and actually planned how the musical would then, you know, step into the dark woods in the middle of the scene in which this kid would start just by giving, grieving Cynthia what she needed, and then they they said, oh, and at some point it's going to be exactly what he needs. And you watch that song and you see the fulmination, the, the, the complete uh, perfection of that notion that I got to hear about so many years ago. And which, it's which really you thrilling. called
16: the Orchard song. That was for a really long said, time. And then you're going to write the Orchard song it's going to be a great song. And we <laughs> said, okay.
5: I said it's going to be... And I'm really glad Will has pick, pick, you know, picked up on that. It's yeah. going to be a really great song. I, I, I'm I a real well, student of really the theater, Michael. really key to this call. musical.
6: You know, I, I'll also say about Benjamin and Justin that they were also. Incredibly generous and also rigorous is the word that comes to mind as well about when music didn't need to be there in a way that I think a lot of composers wouldn't be um, or would have difficulty doing. So there are scenes in the play that are pretty full, long, dramatic scenes that I, I could easily see, you know, musicalized in a way that would rob them, I think, a little bit of their their weight and their power and and and, ben and Justin are generous enough as collaborators, I think, to allow those scenes to breathe. And, um, you, you know, it's just somehow worked that way. Like, I mean, we begin the show with a monologue um, and I kind of, you know, we talked all the time about how that's not how a musical starts. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. But, I, I, you know, to their, to their credit, you know, Ben and Justin didn't ultimately feel like, we had to be uh, slavish to the rules. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm an incredibly grateful collaborator. What Stephen forgets is that
16: the when he first sent us the first draft of this of like the very first stab at a script for the show, it might have been just the first act or maybe the whole thing. Uh, I know our response was, this is amazing. We're gonna ruin it by putting songs in it. <laughs> um, uh, that's really no, because it was it was uh, it was so beautiful and read like a beautiful indie film or be- lovely intimate play, and I was just like, this is so. It's also it's hard. It was especially at that moment hard to imagine putting songs that felt as contemporary and authentic and real to life as Stephen's dialogue did, because it felt so real and precious in the best way as in you didn't want to disturb it at all so that was our first response his work was so beautiful but we were able to go back and forth um, and have that process and he really was he was so generous in, in providing us so much material. And we said, is there a way, if you can get us to this place, then we can probably start a song here and not have everyone go, wait, why is someone singing all of a sudden? Yeah. So, so that was a really wonderful process to have back and forth. I can tell you want to say
4: something. Yeah, <laughs> no, I do. I, I also want to give props to Michael Greif, because Michael was so instrumental in the way that we constructed the musical. I remember when we all began this process, we were all in our youthful 20s. Okay. Um, and <laughs> not me. And, well, <laughs> But, but Michael was so essential that we were we were really thinking this is from Evan's you know perspective and what you know what does a seventeen year old boy think about in a high school and and Michael continually would push us to say okay but you know how are these how are these parents um, needing this this healing as well and and how is Evan's mom you know viewing you know now they both have little little girls I still do not uh, any takers let me know, um, but but meet
2: you after bench. Hey Julie
4: James. <laughs> But, but Michael was so, so phenomenal in, in pushing us to think, you know, this is, this is about uh, how people need family and not just how a young person finds identity. And I think in expanding that and, and the way that we approached it really influenced the entire way that we thought about the show, every relationship in the show, how we would write songs and dialogue, and, and also, I mean, beyond just thinking about the scope uh, of, of how to write, Uh, how to write it. Michael has so much experience with so many shows that we love and that were models for us in how to integrate music and lyric and how to build uh, an original story. So he really was our guide the entire time in in helping us put that all together. And there's no way that this show would exist without him.
2: We're going to keep going with that thought a little bit with Sarah Giacomini. Do I have that right? Perfect.
15: (laughs) Hi. Um, for Michael and Alex, what was the most exciting part of creating the show from your perspective?
7: I have to say what was fun for me was just getting a chance to actually write the orchestrations. And what I mean by that is that I get fortunate in that I get to music direct a lot of the shows that I end up orchestrating. So I get to be there very early on in the process. So I'm there when the songs first get performed. Like I remember the first time I heard Ben sing Wing me Through Window up until then I had just heard Justin sing it. So being able to kind of live with the songs in a way and it got a lot better.
16: <laughs>
7: <laughs> he killed it by the way. <laughs> um, being able to be there that early and see the songs form and also just be able to get inside of them such that when it comes time to make changes or like say there was a time that we needed to like make a little trim like we just knew the songs well enough that we could like either borrow themes from another thing or like, be able to like, move things around and have it still feel organic and feel real so that when it actually came time to sit down and actually say, okay, this is what the violin's going to play. This is what the bass line's going to be. Like, that was just like easy. And I love like, how effortless that felt because the music was so organic and so real that I'm like, okay. And it, the, the orchestration just kind of flowed out of me in that way. So that just made it really exciting to know that I didn't have to like, sit there and just rack my brain and pace and be like, oh, what am I going to do? at all just kind of like, it was just very... Easy. So it was nice to kind of have that feeling to have material that inspired me in that way.
5: For sure. Michael, do you want to continue? Yes. um, Well, uh, apart from that wonderful process that I just described with these writers, I I then had the incredible privilege of bringing that material to this extraordinary group and being the real link between what was in their heads and their hearts and to see what these extraordinary interpreters would do with that material. Um, And I also had the great pleasure of working with an extraordinary group of designers to creating a physical world for the play. And um, again, because the, the, the material itself is so strong, it was so clear to the extraordinary David Correns and Peter Negrini, our set designer and our projections designer, to, to know what kind of world could, should be created for Evan and the people around him. And it was so very early that, you know, David and I talked about how a very encumbered world would go to a very open natural world in that orchard, as set up by the Orchard Song. So, <laughs> you, you know, um, so, Being able to give physical life to the extraordinary work that these guys were doing, and at that point, I had already become familiar with the extraordinary work that all of these guys were doing in a series of readings. It was a great, great pleasure to to discover and then to ultimately uh, achieve the physical world of the production.
2: Well, we're on Broadway for an exclusive Sirius XM Town Hall event with the cast and creative team of Dear Evan Hansen. Let's hear what the Orchard song became for forever. End of
1: May or early June, this picture-perfect afternoon we share. Drive the winding country road, grab a scoop at a la mode and then we're there an open field that's framed with trees we pick a spot and shoot the breeze like buddies do quoting songs by our favorite bands telling jokes no one understands except us two and we talk and take in the view All we see is sky, for forever We let the world pass by, for forever Feels like we could go on for forever this way Two friends on a perfect day the things we'll do when we get out of school like <laughs> the Appalachian trail or write a book or learn to sail wouldn't that be cool there's nothing that we can't discuss like girls we wish would notice us but never do he looks around and says to me there's nowhere else i'd rather be and i say me too and we talk and Take in the view We just talk And take in the view All we see is sky For forever On the ground, my arm goes numb. I look around and I see him come to get me. He's come to get me, and everything's okay. All we see is sky for forever. We Let the world pass by for forever Buddy, you and I, for forever this way friends true friends on us
0: To the music box theater with the stars and creative team of Dear Evan Hansen, with Julie James as our exclusive on Broadway town hall continues.
2: A wonderful question from Jeff. Is it Unitus?
5: Very good, perfect. Hello. Uh, first of all, I can't let the afternoon go by without congratulating Benj and Justin on their Oscar. Yeah.
15: You guys want Wait, an Oscar? Wait, what? What? <laughs>
5: <laughs> and so my original question about this show tapping into the cultural zeitgeist I think has been asked and answered, so I kind of want to ask a question to the three of you that play parents. What's it like being involved in a show that is creating so much dialogue between kids and their parents? Ben talked about that earlier, and what do you think the show can do to help Expand the dialogue in this disconnected world from the perspective of, of your parental characters
10: <laughs> well I, this is for me this has been the biggest thing um, as a daughter and as a mother um, uh, that so many people after having seen the show are saying things like, I finally understand my mother, I finally understand my parents, I finally can see things from their perspective, and, I mean, I'm getting choked up just thinking about that, you know, because that's what I live out, you know, performing the show every day, that I, I think about that. I think about the generations of of all of us, you know, not understanding each other, not connecting, and the fact that what you were saying before, that that these generations are coming back and bringing, you know, parents are bringing their kids, kids are bringing their parents to say, and I think the reason they're doing that is to say, look, look, that's like me. Look at me up there. Look at me. See me for who I am. And, and, And this is the most revelatory thing about this show is that we can be seen. We can be seen and understood. And, and between parents and children, there is this seemingly unbridgeable gap. You know, once kids hit a certain age and we all move on with our lives, we just do not understand each other until we've walked in their shoes. And what this show is doing is really letting us Acknowledge each other and and not just seeing each other but but really feel what our parents must have felt like and what our kids are feeling because we're so far removed from that at this point, you know
13: Wonderful, uh, I you know I uh, thank you SiriusXM and 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 Benj and Justin and Michael and Stephen Levinson and uh, you guys to have a forum to talk about Dear Evan Hansen is so amazing, <laughs> I absolutely love it because it's changed me as a human being. It's changed me as a parent. It's changed me as a father, and uh, I'm getting choked up too. My father was very disconnected. Uh, and he tried so hard, and I could never see the world through his eyes. It was impossible for me to say, well, why is he giving me such a hard time all the time? And now it's, I've, I'm totally open. I'm totally open and I'm, I'm trying so hard to communicate with my children. And even when they don't want to, I'm like, what is happening today? <laughs> what is happening? You're going to talk to me. And that's great, I want that to happen more. And I'm, I, I'm telling all of you out there, don't stop talking. Don't stop communicating. Don't stop trying to communicate. Please. It's, it's, it's really easy. Social media makes it easy. So, I mean, just try, try your hardest. And if you can't, if you're trying and you're, and you're, and you're hitting brick walls, call me. Talk to me. Uh, no, seriously. I don't care. Everyone on serious, you heard it. Um, t- Twitter, find me. Find me somehow. I will talk to you all day. I'll talk to you about nothing. It doesn't matter. But if you're like i have so much time. Seriously, it's great. Jennifer, would you like to add?
12: <laughs> call me. No. Um, don't call me. I I I, <laughs> I have far too much on my plate. Um. No. Uh, in, in in echoing. <laughs> I'm busy. Echoing I meant it echoing what these two have said. Um, I totally agree with what both of you have said, and and, and to add more to it is um, the message that, um, as a grieving parent, um, I can't imagine that in my real life. I can't imagine that, and as an actress um, being challenged to rise above the grief and overcome it, the big lesson that I take away from this show, in addition to what these two have talked about, is forgiveness. Um, forgiving yourself as a parent or as a daughter or son. Um, we all make mistakes and there is a bridge that gets you over those horrible, horrible places. And that has been a challenge, learning how to um, justify that. Um, as a parent, I have a son, so it's, it's, been, very, it's been an incredible uh, lesson in forgiveness.
10: And, and, and to add on to that, too, what I think is so beautiful about this show is that it's one of those opportunities in life that gives us the chance to talk to the people we love before tragedy happens, you know? And so many kids are saying, I'm going to go call my mom right now, you know? And I feel like that. Like, I started calling my mom every day, you know? And that's that's a real thing, to talk to each other you know, because we just never know how much time we have left and we never know the difference that we can make if we actually just do pick up the phone or have a conversation or something like that.
13: That's something that we talked about before too is like what, what happens in the stage door or outside the stage door. Every night two or three people have come up to me and said you've, you've made me want to have a better relationship with my father and that's really, really important.
2: Beautiful, so beautiful. We've now covered the crying part of our afternoon. Uh, and now Thanks we're going to lot. hear from Trisha, is it Panassi?
11: Yes, very good, Panassi. <laughs> good afternoon. Hi, Trisha.
2: Um, you
10: were talking earlier about the rigorous process. This was a question I had for Mr. Pasek Mr. Paul. Um, knowing that shows go through... <laughs>
11: <laughs> Who that?
10: Knowing that shows go through many revisions and changes during the creative process I was wondering what was your favorite song that didn't make it into the show
11: and why was it cut? <laughs> I'm, they curious.
16: Said
11: favorite. They I'm said really favorite. curious. I'm really yeah. curious. <laughs> it's not
4: our favorite.
11: Oh, dang.
4: <laughs> ah. oh yeah um, no, we ha- I mean well now we have to I guess tell this this story of this song We had a song that Jared Kleinman used to sing um, and it was before the uh, infamous orchard song that then now then became for forever, but the song was actually it was called going viral and it was sort of a nightmare uh, That that uh, Jared was trying to s- scare Evan into kind of uh, th- What would happen to Evan if he uh, if he were to uh, if the letter were to be found uh, that, that he wrote before it became before it is, is thought to be Connors. Um, so he goes through all of the sort of nightmarish sort of uh, uh, consequences that could happen if it were revealed. Um, the thing that kind of we didn't love about the song. Was
16: the performance. No, oh! My God!
4: <laughs> Wow. Wow.
14: Just kidding, just kidding.
15: I'm the only person in the cast that you can make that joke to that won't <laughs> quit.
4: I don't even know how to recover from that.
2: There's no coming back. Uh,
4: I guess I'll quickly say that that one of the reasons that we didn't uh, love the song, but we loved the performance. (laughs) was that it felt to us uh, in sort of gauging the authenticity of talking about social media, uh, it didn't feel like it was real to actually point a finger at being like, this thing is going to go viral, this is how the internet works, you know? Or
16: like any, any like host of a certain age who's like, tweet at me today or whatever, You're like, it doesn't yeah. sound
4: cool. At you're w- like, www. Yeah, you're dot. just like, you know, enough and we kind of felt like um writing a whole song about how technology works or how things go viral it didn't feel it might have it might have made sense to uh even us or people who are older than us because it was sort of explaining you know how thing how that happens on the internet but anybody who actually lives that experience they don't need to hear a whole song about how things go viral you just want to show it and not talk about it so uh and we uh, you know so we kind of excised that song and it also helped us get to the the event quicker which was uh the, the Orchard song, the For Forever moment, which really, as Will has pointed out so wonderfully, because he's such an involved and lovely actor, it's, it's, it's where our plot really, really begins. It's our inciting incident.
2: That was cool to know. I'm just saying.
4: And there is a demo, a, a really good Woo. demo of it floating around
16: somewhere. So maybe someday it'll find its mm. way out into the light. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> we'll have to change a couple of things. terrible th- I know, performance. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah.
2: Leak it to this girl that I know works for a radio station hey. that plays all Broadway. <laughs> um, hi, Stephanie Bromberg. What's your question?
9: Hi. So this is for Laura Dreyfus. Um, do you have any siblings? And has playing Zoe changed the way you think about sibling relationships? And for those playing the students, what were you like in high school? And has that affected the way you think about your role? It's a really good question. Um, I do. I have two older sisters. And... Um, Unlike the show, they are my best friends, and so I've been very fortunate to have that relationship my whole life. And um, my oldest sister, you know, I consider both of them mentors, and I idolized them growing up and pretty much wanted to be them. Um, And I think the most rewarding thing about playing this character is um, having so many young girls come up to me and say that they they are Zoe and that they had a Connor or that they have a Connor and that this seeing this relationship and seeing her journey unfold has sort of taught them how to forgive that Connor in their life, um, whether it be a sibling or a parent or whatever um, and and I think we all have people in our lives that we do need to find forgiveness for not just for them but for ourselves as well and so um, that's, that's been the greatest gift but um, On a lighter note, I was a huge nerd in high school. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like jazz
2: band nerd level?
9: Yeah. I was like fifth chair flute. Um, Yeah. Yes. Like not even like first or second chair. Like I was a bad flute player. Um, And I was like late to band rehearsal every day, so I wasn't even dedicated, but I still showed up. Like I don't know what I... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was, you know, in the drama club, and this is, you know, not to reference Glee, but this is before Glee kind of made theater geeks cool. Like, it it wasn't cool when I was doing theater. It was actually very uncool. So I was, therefore, very uncool. Um, And I think that it's really been a joy to be in this show to kind of celebrate outsiders and to kind of, talk about the fact that nobody's really cool. I mean, we're all kind of outsiders in our own way, and I think that this brings light to that, and I think that it's important to accept ourselves and love ourselves, and that's, that's been the coolest thing to take from that high school experience and bring it here. That's great. Mike, what were you like in high school?
14: Oh, you know.
2: <laughs> no,
14: um. no. I don't know. I, I I was I I moved to New York early because I was involved with the theater and I didn't want to be where I was. You know, I wanted to get out. I wanted to do this. Um, I never really felt like I had a maybe a true sense of community there, even though I had very good friends who come and support me here. Um, but you know, I I think things that I've learned from playing Connor is that, um, and it's something you know I still continue have to like check in on a daily thing. Is like. You have to allow yourself to be seen, and I think that, you know, you kind of touched on that a little bit. We have, throughout this entire thing, is being okay with yourself. Because you have to, <laughs> in order to kind of skate through this world. Um, and I think the biggest challenge that Evan and Connor face is the ability to, to allow themselves to truly be seen, to be okay with who they are. And that is the day-to-day battle that I think uh, that these kids face. And everyone else in the play as well—they're kind of going through that and putting up their own guards. And um, I think that's really what the bigger picture is within the play: is that we put up these guards, and we need to start breaking those down in order and breaking them down so we can start connecting with one another
4: again.
3: Great.
2: We have a really fun question from Alfred Mena. Hey,
3: Good
4: afternoon, everyone. If you could step into the shoes of one of your castmates and play their role for one
17: night. (laughs) Who would you choose and why?
10: I think we all wanna be Jared Kleinman. I was Uh,
8: gonna say Jared! (laughs) (laughs) It's very true.
2: Ben, you would wanna be Jared?
8: Yes, I wanna tell dick jokes.
13: (laughs) Thank you.
12: I wanna tell dick jokes too!
8: If it were up to us, it would just be two and a half hours of dick jokes. No. no. Well, uh, in a a less irritating answer, Will Roland brings us all so much joy and when we all need it the most. I think that this is a really heavy piece to be doing eight times a week and our family that we've created is just invaluable. And a really special part of that is Will Roland and I just, he's such a light and so I think, you know, he paid me so much money to say that. no, but I I just I'd like a crack at that. I'd like to be Jared. Aw,
11: that's
2: so sweet. So everyone feels like it's Jared.
13: I feel like I feel like I'd want to play Connor to Not tell you a the sad truth. Guy? No, it would be Frank. Yeah, but you get to, you you get essentially to play three different kind of characters in a way. I mean, you get to play yourself and then the imagination of Evan and the imagination of or or the image of Connor in, in Jared's eyes, and, and that to me is really interesting and really fun. So there's
3: that. I actually would want to play Heidi and uh, I don't know what it is just something about that lady something about the way Rachel does it I'm like yeah I want to be her I want to like try hard trying my best I'm trying my best uh, is what she yells at him and I just (laughs) am like I want to do that journey and that arc and then get to just be a hero at the end and heal hearts Mm. with so big so small
11: February day When your dad Came by before Going away A U-Haul Truck in the driveway The day it was Suddenly real I told you not to come Outside But you saw that truck And you smiled So wide A real life truck in your driveway We let you sit behind the wheel Goodbye, goodbye Now it's just me and my little guy And the house felt so big So small The house felt so big And I felt so small That night I tucked you into bed I will never forget how you sat up and said Is there another truck coming to our driveway? A truck that will take mommy away and the house felt so big and I felt so small the house. But like that February day I will take your hand Squeeze it tightly and say There's not another truck in the driveway Your mom isn't going anywhere Your mom is staying right here Your mom isn't going anywhere Your mom is staying right here No matter what I'll be here
0: turn to the stage of the music box theater for more of our exclusive dear evan hansen town hall with the cast and creative team and your host julie james
2: ben just stumbled on something that i thought was an interesting question so because of the uh, of the weight of the show I, I, this is a complete outsider looking in, but it maybe I'm going to guess has made you tighter as a family together. Like what's your, what's your offstage life together? Because you sort of are sharing this mantle, if you will, like it, like, um, it's the metaphor. Like if one of you is carrying the weight, that's too much. But if you're all sharing the weight bearing, maybe it makes it easier.
8: Yeah, I mean, certainly it's been a privilege. I think we all feel that way, that this is the family we landed with. Um, and it, we all, I think, as I was saying before, there's a lot of joy off stage and there's a lot of lightness and there's a lot of care. And I think we all just really cut each other a lot of slack because we know better than anyone else what this experience is like and what it takes for us to get to this place eight times a week and to be as consistent as we're being eight times a week. And I think that there's this sort of mutual respect and understanding um, that is... The only reason that we're able to do what we're doing um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I won't say more but I'm just really grateful for all of these people and I, and I you know I, I think when I, you know, ten years from now the, the thing that I will sort of have nearest to me from this experience apart from how beautiful it's been and the way it's affected people and, you know, obviously the opportunity to get to do a Broadway show and all of that is wonderful but this is like a family that I'll never not be part of I feel like so that's been very special
2: love that Maureen, is it Genderson?
11: Yes, okay.
17: can you hear me?
2: Good afternoon. The musical reflects an understanding
17: of the realities of suicide. It can hit all economic classes, not all attempted suicides succeed, and families struggle and grieve in many ways. What types of research or consultation was undertaken to handle this subject on the stage with such care and truthfulness?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a great question. We, um, we tried to be as careful as possible from the beginning and did our homework. And we have, you know, binders of uh, articles and data that we found um, ourselves. And then we also have had the privilege to partner with a number of terrific organizations um, here in the city, like the Child Mind Institute and the, um, yeah, 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 crisis. the Crisis Text Line. Yeah, yeah. Um, a number of groups. Um, that have helped us to better understand, you know, as an artist so much of your job is to imagine yourself into these situations. And then once you do to sort of figure out what your responsibility is to an audience uh, and to the people that may have um, suffered from these issues or are still suffering from these issues. And so it's, it's actually an ongoing conversation I know with the, with the whole company of, you know, we do have many audience members that come and, and have their own issues that they uh, want to discuss or or people that do need help. And, and we're, we're always trying to make sure that we are pointing people in the right direction. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the big thing that we can do also as artists is to make a show that we think ultimately is life affirming and is a show about, um, it's about, like you said, it's about two different... Um, there's somebody who attempted suicide, and there's somebody who succeeded, and um, it could have gone different ways for both of them, and, and hopefully part of the show is to uh, give us, as audience members, the empathy to, to see ourselves in that position and also see that, that there is a way out of it. Just piggybacking
14: off that really quick, um, he said that you know it is our jobs to kind of put ourselves into a what-if scenario and look at these people. And for me, um, you know, I kind of took to the internet immediately and started s- searching suicide survivors. And I really could only come across um, uh, family members who had lost loved ones or friends who had lost loved ones to suicide. And, but I could never find um, people who had attempted to commit suicide, failed, survives, and are in you know, rehabbing and they are willing to talk about it, except for this one website and I'll drop it, it's called LiveThroughThis.org and it's run by this amazing woman, her name's Desiree and she's a photographer and she goes around the country and she just interviews and photographs all these suicide attempt survivors and just hears their, you know, tells their story and, you know, um, her biggest impact that she's trying to have is kind of break down the barriers and break down the stigma that goes along with mental health um and it's a really wonderful website because it's just these people and they're just talking and they're just like you and me you know and they're not scary you know what i mean It, it, it she really does shed a light on these very beautiful souls and like how they feel and for me um it was incredibly insightful and uh highly important and I really highly recommend everyone go check it out, livethroughthis.org. So.
15: Great. And if I could just tag on there some of the other organizations that we work with, all these are on our website, um, but it's the Child Mind Institute, the Crisis Text Line, the Jed Foundation, the Trevor Project, uh, Lady Gaga's uh, "Born This Way" thing foundation. Um, yeah, they're all they're all really wonderful organizations that you know if if you or someone you know is, is in a is in a tough place or struggling with something, they're worth investigating and looking up.
2: Well said, DearEvanHanson.com. Christine
11: Kroll everybody hey um this is for the composers how did you know you had something special in ben platt when he auditioned for the show dogfight years prior and what did they see in this extraordinary actor at that time that stood out to them you and made them want to work with him on a future project or musical
4: um i think i think ben was 17 when he came in to audition for our show dogfight and uh, It's it's really incredible. And I'm still 17 now. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Ben. Um, But you know, when we were when we were uh, figuring out who the actors were going to be in that show, no one with that sort of talent level, uh, you know, could play realistically like a 19 year old. So we cast you know people who were 21 and 24 and you know what you do, and then this actual 17 year old who compared to the 20 three and 25 year olds looked way too young to actually be a 17 or 19 year old so it was, you know he wasn't gonna be in dogfight because of that but we were like blown away by this guy's talent uh, he came in and I think he sang how glory goes yeah okay and and um first of all just his voice is unbelievable but his understanding of uh... of, of how people of how people think and act and 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 carry themselves and, and his uniqueness. I mean, that's really what it is. I think for, for me and Justin, I think we were so struck by how unique of an actor this guy was. And that's something that I think we're always drawn to. Uh, if someone is, is like other people, they're not as interesting to us. And when someone is so himself, and someone is, there, there is no other Ben Platt in the world. And when we met this guy, there, there was no one else like him. So beyond just having a wonderful voice and beyond having incredible skill as an actor, um, he was so singular. Um, and when we were working on Evan Hansen, um, I had the great fortune of getting to see Ben in Book of Mormon and getting to see that performance again, which was, he was stepping into a role that someone else had created and he made that performance again so singular and so unique to him. And um, I think... And
16: probably different from How Glory Goes, I Yeah,
4: <laughs> very different from How Glory Goes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, so seeing the, the, those two, and, and then when we were all developing the character, I, I think Justin and I were so... I mean, he was just in our heads as, wow, this guy is, is incredibly talented and also unlike anyone else in the world. And, um, and to, be, to, to, to be able to bring that to the character of Evan was something that really, really was exciting to us.
16: Yeah, I think... Um I think so much of what happens with the character of Evan, it sort of happens off the page. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful writing that's on the page, but then so much of it is just sort of instinctual human characteristics that manifest themselves somehow. And you can't really write a lot of that. I think that's actually true with all of these characters in the show as well. And that's why Ben is among a, an amazing cast that are also good at this. But talking about Ben, when, when we first saw him, uh, there was just something, there is that certain thing that you can't really, teach to an actor which is sort of these innate um, impulses that capture little quirks and tiny little movements uh, in our human behavior and especially somehow marrying that to delivering music and lyrics at the same time which is a really really hard thing to do Um, a lot of fine actors who can't translate that into singing and still making it feel as natural as possible and as we said before we knew that the songs needed to feel very, very natural to fit Steven's sort of beautiful, authentic script. Um, so I think that's a, a big part of what we thought uh, about having seen Ben do that just in his audition and knowing, wow, so much of this character is gonna need to live off the page and so much of it is going to uh, you know, need to be improvised or at least uh, fleshed out, um, not on the script. And so that's why we were so excited that Ben uh, was, was gonna come in. And, and I, I do remember that we had a reading it, this was obviously, as you might imagine, a huge question of, like, this show is called Dear Evan Hansen. This is about Evan Hansen. This is going to be a big deal. Who sings this show? Who plays you know, this character? And I remember we were we were watching the r- first reading. It was maybe four or five minutes into it. And I can't remember what Michael said exactly, but he leaned over. He was like, okay, we're good. You know, like, back <laughs> to that. Was like, yeah. it, was
11: like,
16: it was like, yep, okay, we got it, we got it. Um, but but really, and and then, but really the same became true of every... Member of the company after that, um, and these these roles I think are really demanding because they're they're really dramatic, fine acting roles that Stephen has written, and you also have to sing and sing high and sing loud and a lot, um, <laughs> which we realize and we apologize for. Um, but um, uh, it's really we were talking to someone just the other day, and everyone that sees the show um, marvels at this cast and and the performances that they bring every night. It's really, really rare if you haven't gotten to see the show just to get to see these people acting the way that they're acting and singing the way that they're singing. Um, I don't know what we'll ever do without all of you. Um, They're really one of a kind, each of them.
2: truer words may never have been spoken. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here for this very special experience and all of you for sharing your incredible insights into the show. Can we please just move in and hear you talk about the show forever, for forever? See what I did there?
4: <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were going to have a daughter, Julie Jane.
2: Oh, well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey.
7: <laughs>
2: it's on like Donkey
4: Kong. Oh.
2: Anyhow. Um,
4: <laughs> that went to the what's, next level. What's wow.
2: happening? What's happening? I really also want to thank some of the people who made this day possible. Uh, Like any show, it certainly took a village. So, thank you to the crew and the staff at the Music Box Theater. Situation Interactive and o as well as, uh, who am I forgetting, my fabulous team at Sirius XM for making this event possible. We can't wait to share it with all of our listeners. The crew at Atlantic Records for being behind one of the most fantastic cast recordings in the theater canon. And most of all, to each and every one of these genius artists, thank you for giving us your time, your talent, and most of all, your heart. It's at Dear Evan Hansen everywhere on your socials and at SXM on Broadway. It has been an honor and a pleasure and truly a dream come true. May I just say, this was a dream that was planted on your opening night at the, uh, at the party afterward. I had a dream that this might be something that we could make come true, and thank you for making that dream come true. Thank you for being here. I'm Julie James for SiriusXM on Broadway.
1: Well, let that lonely feeling wash away Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay Cause when you don't feel strong enough to stand You can reach, reach out your hand And oh, someone will Come running, and I know they'll take you home. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. So let the sun come streaming in, cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again. Lift your head and You will be found 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 found.
3: Have you seen this? Someone put a video of your speech online! My speech? People started sharing it, I guess. And now, I mean, Connor is Your everywhere.
15: speech is everywhere. This morning, the Connor Project page, it only had 56 people following.
8: Well, how many does it have now?
15: Four thousand five hundred and eight hundred and thirty-nine.
8: I don't understand.
15: What happened?
11: You did. There's a place where we don't have to feel unknown. Oh my God, everybody needs to see this. Every time.
7: If
15: you only say the word Take
7: five minutes This will
15: make you gay From across the silence
17: Your voice is heard. Share
16: it with the people you love Repost The
4: world needs to hear this
16: A beautiful tribute. Favorite I know someone who really needed to hear this today So thank you, Evan Hansen, for doing what you're doing I
15: never met you,
4: Connor, but coming out here, reading everyone's posts It's so easy to feel alone, but Evan is exactly right, we're not alone Now, with everything you hear in the news. Thank
15: you, Evan Hansen, for giving us a space to remember Connor. To be together. To find each other. Prayers from Michigan, Vermont, Sacramento. Sacramento. Thank you, Evan Hansen. Re-
0: to our exclusive Sirius XM Town Hall with the cast and creative team of Dear Evan Hansen. Missed any? Want to hear it again? Encore today, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. Or stream it anytime on demand on the Sirius XM app.